0: While we have all this tech, the human can't outsource willpower. So we can outsource the data tracking of our workouts, but we can't outsource willpower.
1: You're listening to the Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources and inspiration to grow your fitness business and career, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au, where you can also find a huge range of online and face-to-face courses, accredited for CECs and other continuing education points, with up to a massive 40% discount for members of Australian Fitness Network. In this episode, Fitness Business and Marketing Leader Justin Tamsit talks people, power and technology the US versus Aussie market, and why the niche shall inherit the earth, with Network's Oliver Kitchingman.
2: Justin, welcome to the fitness industry podcast. Thanks, Ollie. How are you going? Going very well, thank you. So we're big at Filex twenty. 20- very big weekend, Justin. <laughs> Filex twenty seventeen. First, uh, first FiLex back in Sydney after a three year hiatus. Seen um, Melbourne or, or a little road trip to Melbourne. So yeah,
0: good to be back. As the great Nadia Norman says. It is the Christmas of the fitness industry.
2: It is fitness Christmas.
0: It's great. It's been a fantastic weekend. Congratulations to Network again on an amazing event. The different streams that you have, all from the business, all the way through to this year's first yoga stream. Is that right?
2: Well, we had the Ignite Yoga Summit. It was a it was a new right. event. It was actually a separate event to Filex but running con- concurrently. Yep. So that's gone well.
0: Yeah, it's been a. It's such a cool event. For anyone in the industry, in order to professionally develop themselves, whether they are that yogi, whether they're a group fitness instructor, they're a PT, or on the business side, so you guys do a great job. Congratulations!
2: Thanks, Justin. The key issues spoken about at Filex usually emerges dominant themes in the mainstream fitness industry in the months and years ahead. So, what do you see as being the strongest themes coming through in the Filex Twenty Seventeen business strand?
0: Yeah, it's a really tough question because I think as a as an industry. There never seems to be a consistent theme. I guess if I was peeling, and, and and as the corporate world says at the moment, unpacking everything, engagement. Engagement would be the theme, and that engagement could be online, like with people's social media, with e-marketing, but also people talking a lot about the engagement of their staff and creating that experience, that customer service experience when they come in, creating that amazing group fitness experience when they walk into that box, creating amazing personal training experience. You know, those three descriptions, I use that same word experience the whole time. And I think we're trying to work out A value proposition and part of that value proposition is engaging with people, which is a really interesting challenge because as the margins close on profitability and the service that we provide, the only way we can engage is with people. And so we've got one model which is reducing people and yet the consumer and other models are saying, well, let's increase that engagement. My kind of take on it, which I, I think has come through a few times over the, the weekend, is that it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be high staffed. It just means you have to have better quality engagement. And that was the thing that sort of has come through with me. Uh, Luke Carlson spoke brilliantly, like brilliantly, at the Business Summit, and and he was making sure that everybody's on the same page with, uh, his meetings, his themes, his core values. And for me, that's a really key component. And, and that, if you've got that foundation, then you've got that, uh, principle for engagement. Does that make sense?
2: It does make sense, yeah, absolutely. Bill McBride was also very, very strongly focused on the the people element. You you look around the, the event, you look around the, the fitness show, and there's technology everywhere. There's there's a million ways to enhance your customer experience with technology. And as Bill said, that's all great, and it can supplement the, the people power that you have, but you can't replace the people power. If you do, it's probably going to be to your detriment.
0: Yeah, look, I agree with that 100%. I think as an industry, what we've tried to do is we've tried to replace the people power with tech instead of saying, okay, let's just make the people power better quality engagement so that when uh, a member is talking to a staff member, that, star- that member then walks away and goes, wow, that was a really cool chat. They're really nice people. I'll tell other people about that experience. So I think that to me has been a real theme that's, that's gone through the whole Business strand. I don't know. I don't know about the other strands because I'm not that fit, so I didn't do any of those other jumping around ones.
2: All about the business, Justin.
0: <laughs> All about the business, Ollie.
2: Justin, do you think that the the cost element of of staff? I mean, most clubs, their major overhead will be staffing. So. Is it too tempting for club owners and managers to attempt to reduce the amount of staff in favour of, of technology, having uh, you know members swipe themselves into the club rather than having people on the checkout desk, that kind of thing?
0: You're absolutely right. The, the number one cost centre for most fitness businesses, whether it's a PT business or whether it's a, a club, is usually wages. And that can be skewed depending how people pay their personal trainers. So if the personal trainer is an employee and they're doing a 50-50 split, then 50% of your income is going to wages. So That's a 50-50 split. That's a no-brainer. From what I see, the idea of reducing your staff bill, you can do so long as it doesn't impact that service level. In, like, this thing blew me away, Ollie. I was recently in the US and w- I walked into a Soul Cycle studio and behind the front desk in the Soul Cycle studio was four staff. Like, wow. Saturday afternoon, walked into an Orange Theory fitness club and Orange Theory small box, there was four staff behind the front desk. And I'm like, we don't have that many staff behind the front desk. Now, Admittedly, their traffic flow is higher than ours, but even when we've got a group fitness class on, the idea of self-swiping means that there's no engagement. The idea of Soul Cycle is that you walk in and you, you're connecting with somebody at the front desk, you're connecting with the cleaner who's wiping the, the bike down, or you're connecting with the instructor. I would hazard a guess that there's, they're trying to have three or four touch points with a staff member every time you walk in, whereas I think perhaps in a lot of Australian big box clubs – we've lost count of how many touch points we want to have with a member. We're just going, okay, we need to pull our wage bill back, so what we'll do is we'll reduce the staff. Again, if your staff are doing a great job and engaging and and having those touch points, air quotes, then I think that's okay because you can create a relationship which can lead to referrals, can lead to upselling, cross-selling or whatever you're trying to create. So I think as an industry... In Australia, we're going to go through a bit of rationalisation and a few challenges around how we run our businesses. Uh, But I think as a whole, at Filex, I would be suggesting that the theme that I'm hearing is that we need to up the ante on that level of conversation that we have with our members. And can I just – sorry for cutting you off. You know, you asked the question about technology. If you look at a lot of tech, whether – it, you know, I've got an Apple Watch and I've got a – iphone and i'm on strava and i've got my zone so the two two things that i know about tech is this tech collects a lot of shit tech collects a lot of data (laughs) and i would suggest that 90 percent of members can't translate that data what does that actually mean so the only way they can get that data translated is talk to somebody so that's a we use the technology as a as an engagement tool so you spend this much time in your my zone, yellow zone, this means da-da-da-da-da-da. Da-da, da-da. It's a tool for that engagement. And for me, that's that's the best part of technology. The other thing is while we have all this tech, the human can't outsource willpower. So we can outsource the data tracking of our workouts, but we can't outsource willpower. We can't. It's impossible. Well, we need to build that willpower within ourselves. And the best person to help us build willpower is another person. It's not tech. It's that person sending me a text message saying, "I'll see you on the treadmill at six fifteen, ready for your PT session." So I think there's there's still all this element and requirement of people in our business, but upping that level of of expectation of what that engagement, that touch point is, is the key.
2: So clubs need to be more focused on training their trainers to translate the data for for their members. And as you say, you know there are there are so many um, so many wearables now. There's so much technology. It can be quite a, it can be quite a daunting task to to have to try and learn to translate the data from all of these different um, these different pieces of equipment. But I guess that's the way we need to go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that I think that's a real key way. I think, um, and it doesn't have to be clubs. I mean, if you're a PT business. And you, you're a single operator, solopreneur, then you need to understand all this tech as well, because I guarantee you, you've probably got a client who's carrying a uh, an iPhone in their pocket that has an accelerometer in there, and you can look and have a look at how many steps they've taken in the day, and go, hey, this isn't good enough. They, I would guess that fifty percent of clients wouldn't even know that there's a predominant built in every phone.
2: It's true. We've been monitored every step of the way, <laughs> aren't we? You mentioned the visiting Cycle just then, and that um, I know that you spend a lot of time in the, in the U.S. and, uh, well, many countries overseas, visiting clubs, consulting with clubs, attending events, speaking at conferences. So the Australian market versus the global market and probably particularly the U.S. market, are there any major differences or, or key similarities that you're noticing at the moment?
0: I think... For our listeners on this podcast, I think one of the major differences between the really successful fitness businesses in the US and in Australia is that personal trainers are employed in the US. They're not contractors. And the reason behind that is that it means that the owners of that personal training business or that gym are training, professionally developing, but also building a corporate culture through that, through the DNA of those trainers, they're not running their own race. They're not having someone on the gym floor trying to sell isogenics and then another trainer trying to sell Herbalife and then another trainer trying to sell ketones or, or whatever that is. And I'm only using them as hypotheticals. I'm not pulling them out as specific examples at all, which may happen here in Australia, whereas over there it's like, okay, everybody, we're selling this supplement and we're all doing this, or we're all promoting my zone, or we're all promoting our transformation challenge. And I think when you've got that synergy from your front desk to your group fitness to your personal training business, I can understand how those businesses can be stronger. Does that mean the average trainer that comes out of FitnessU or Australian Institute of Fitness would be earning less? Absolutely. There's no question. They're going to earn less. But they come out a better trainer because they have got better development they'll come out a better person because they're getting leadership training they're getting sales support and learning skills that are going to help them for the rest of their life not just be a better personal trainer so i I've, I've got this like i've got this inner desire deep down will that one day it'll change here but i actually do think it'll start to change in australia that we'll start to see more businesses employ trainers so that a consistent <laughs> message is given to their clients. Because at the end of the day, most personal trainers, they're the face of the business because that's the relationship that the client has. So why wouldn't the gym, and again, I don't mean this in a derogatory term, but the gym or the personal training studio, why wouldn't they want to have some control over the message and that trainer?
2: So having a contractor trainer basis sort of muddies your brand in a way because you've got a million or you've got a dozen sub-brand within your own brand.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's a great description. It muddies your brand and it muddies your brand message. And I think there's no question that the, that consistency in brand message is why businesses are successful in the US. So I think we may start to see that change here. And, and I think that's a good thing. I always make the analogy that, an Olympic gold medal sprinter doesn't come out of the womb of his mother and then win a gold medal at the Olympics. First of all, that Olympic sprinter had to learn to crawl, then walk, then run, then train, and then lots of years before he actually or she actually gets to that Olympic event, and then may even be one or two Olympics before they win the gold. So that there is, no, but from the outside looking in, we go. Oh, Usain Bolt—he's—he's he's just a freak. He just comes out and runs. Behind the scenes, there's a lot of work that goes on. And I think we look at trainers like, you know, the Tony Tony Bataggi's or Nadia Normans, you know, the the like of those. From the outside looking in, well, they became overnight successes. They didn't. There's years of practice. There's years of work. There's years of going through doing the crap jobs in order to get where they have. And I get the world of instant gratification, but I think if you can go in as an employer uh, into an employee situation, you can learn a lot more over a period of time, which I think is hugely beneficial to you as a person, but also you as a professional.
2: What well, fuel money, Justin, would be the biggest trend to emerge or grow in the industry in the next year, or maybe maybe even looking further ahead, maybe like to 2020, the next two or three years?
0: Oh, look, I think there'll be a few things. I think um, if we look at it kind of from the journey of a, a prospect through, I think we're going to see gyms have a better concept or fitness businesses have a better concept around content marketing, whatever the hell that means for a lot of people. I think we'll see much better content marketing coming out. I think we'll see people blogging more regularly with better quality blogs. I think we'll see eBooks. I think we'll see the understanding of what Facebook can do. I think Facebook will have a massive impact on our clubs uh, in relation to building communities as well as getting the message out. So I think over the next 12 months to three years, and who knows what Facebook have got planned, but from just looking at where they are right now, I think there's some huge opportunities there for clubs.
2: So like closed Facebook groups for members, but I know that would probably only be the, the starting point. Is that the kind of thing you're thinking?
0: Yeah, I think look, I think that's the starting point. At the moment, Facebook Live is. Just the hottest thing, and no one's using it, and no one's using it well. So, it, well, there are people that are using it, but not in our industry. So, it's something that we're really gonna. Well, I think we're gonna see growth of that in the immediate future, and then repurposing all that content. So, floating that then across your YouTube's and doing it on Insta Stories and that sort of thing. So, I think it, we'll see. We'll see a major change in content. I think we'll see more. Use, I'm going to use that word, use of technology. I think we'll see that. That'll continue to grow. I think from a facility perspective, we'll start to see uh, what we've seen in the US, which is these boutiques open up. I would suggest that in you know 12 to 24 months, there'll probably be Barry's Boot Camp in Australia. There may be a soul Cycle in Australia or the equivalent of Barry's or Soul, uh, which I think is really exciting because that pushes the price point up. Uh, I find it quite amazing, Ollie, that people walk into a, a big box gym and you say it's $15 a week and you get all of this and someone goes, oh, that's expensive, and then they walk out and they go to F45 and they get, and they get quoted at F45, that might be 55 or 66, and they go, oh, that's great value for everything you get. Yeah, I'll join here. And it's like, wow, like the, it's just the way it's positioned. So I think there's some exciting things in our industry ahead around pricing. I think there's exciting things around the product offering. But what I do believe is if you're a personal trainer and your price is right in the middle, you're not the most expensive and you're not the cheapest, you're going to struggle because you're just going to get squeezed by the people that are cheaper or you're not positioning yourself as an expert. So that would be my other trend that I would see. I would see that there'll be gyms and there'll be trainers that will do a lot more work on positioning and saying we are the experts in getting you ready for a wedding. We are the experts in having you hit a golf ball further. We are the experts in whatever other niche that that they're going to focus on. Instead of saying we are the come here for weight loss, I think that'll be. I think that's what we'll see.
2: Phil Nosworthy at the Vilex 2017 business breakfast actually was talking quite a lot about that and he said one of the one of his quotes was you know stop being good at lots of stuff and be great at some stuff yeah. so I guess it's really about finding your
0: niche yeah and I think as an industry we've always been scared of that where you know you talk to any personal trainers or, or even clubs and they're like well I want to be all things to all people because I need to be well if you can be neck deep in your niche and drowning in your own niche that's not a bad position to be in and when you're all things to all people you're nothing to anybody so I think that there'll be that progression, I'm using that word in, in the hope that that's a positive, a progression in our industry where people will start to niche and target and go, this is my market, this is who I'm going after, and then build a brand around that.
2: Interesting, Justin. Any, anything else that you're noting in the industry at the moment, any, any trends that you're, you're feeling are maybe not the way we should be going or trends that you're welcoming?
0: Oh look, I think I'm on record a number of times as saying, as an industry, we're getting the fit fitter, and we're not helping the fat get skinnier or healthier. Mm -hmm. Um, I think as an industry, we will potentially change longer term. I don't think in the next 12 to 18 months, but probably 36 to 60 months, we will start to see a lot more change around the modality of exercise in the sense that it will be enjoy, it'll be fun, there'll be enjoyment. Um, it'll be this experience. I loved at the Business Summit, Michelle Seegar and in her book, No Sweat, she says that absolutely categorically she believes that people get results through HIIT training. But it's very difficult to maintain HIIT training forever. And so people do it, they love it, it hurts them, and they go, I don't want to go back. So our quest- the question then becomes, as an industry, are we better to have somebody lose weight quickly over 12 weeks doing a HIIT program or are we better to have that person for their heart health, stay a member of a gym, maybe not lose the weight that they want, but have a great time, increase their heart rate to a level that they're comfortable with and and con- connect with people.
2: So maybe the efficacy of different exercise size modalities should be measured over a 10-year period rather than a per session period? <laughs> yeah,
0: I love that idea. That would be very cool. And I, and I, I really do believe that, I think. You know, there are a lot of people in this world that go hard for 8 to 12 weeks and then for the other 40 weeks of the year, kick back and may may in fact do nothing. So as an industry, we've got to say, well, there's a problem with our product offering. So I'm a huge fan of fun and enjoyment and gamification and that sort of thing. But I'm also a fan of HIIT training. I think it has its place, but at the moment, everything is based around this high intensity training. And I think that is great to make the twenty percent of people that come to gyms hel- uh, fitter, skinnier, stronger, healthier, but it's not really helping the eighty percent that aren't. In fact, it may intimidate those people. So I think we'll start to see some brands that will position themselves to to welcome older people, more overweight people, because that's where the opportunity is.
2: Absolutely. Justin, personally with uh, active management and um, your business, what's uh, what plans have you got in the uh, the year ahead?
0: Oh, we're going to continue. We've got an online membership, of course, that we do separately, but more importantly, we do it with Australian Fitness Network. So you can take a premium membership out with Australian Fitness Network, and you get our our membership. So we're really trying to develop on a regular basis, not saying that we weren't doing it regularly but we're doing a better job of it, of material to help fitness business owners stay ahead of the industry curve by looking outside the industry for trends, uh, information that we can translate that's relevant back to us. So we're going to keep doing that. Uh, We're producing around about five pieces of content a month, so that's like one piece of content a week for our members so that they get like absolute maximum value. We're rolling out some new some pretty cool new things over the next few months that uh, I think will shake up the industry a little bit. From our perspective, Ollie, you know, we believe that technology is there to help our businesses. And I think a lot of the fitness industry are scared of that technology. So, my goal of, with active management is for us to use that technology, break down the barriers and show gyms how, and personal training businesses how easy it is to use the tech. So we want to drag that industry toward, forward instead of running on the spot. Instead of running on a treadmill, let's get them outside, let's get them running forward. So we're going to be doing and using tools that I th- I'm, I'm 90% sure the industry will go, wow, that's really cool and funky. How can I do that in my club? Well, it's actually pretty easy. That's, that's our goal that's our goal is to show people how easy it is
2: great stuff and of course you've got the fitness business podcast so listeners if you uh, enjoy the fitness industry podcast you'll love the fitness business podcast
0: <laughs> yeah look it's um we, we've just clocked over this weekend at uh 2017 we've clocked over 100, 100 shows and we are very close to 100,000 downloads it's a really exciting project. We've got an amazing host that does a sensational job interviewing guests and putting the show notes together. I think one of the great things about podcasts is are they free? You know, our podcast comes out uh, every week. It's a weekly podcast. It goes for about 30 minutes, and it's specifically targeted for fitness business owners, whether you're a manager or whether you are an owner of a business, whether it's a big business or small business, you'll get value out of it. Um, it it's, a great, it's a great asset, as is this. If we can educate and professionally develop ourselves, then that's a great way to go.
2: Absolutely. So where do people need to go to find out more about Active and also about the podcast?
0: Yep, if they go to fitnessbusinesspodcast.com, that's the easiest spot to go for the podcast, and then activemgmt.com.au.
2: Justin, thank you very much for talking to the Fitness Industry Podcast.
0: My pleasure. Thanks for having me and congratulations on a wonderful show.
1: To grow the success of your fitness business, become an elite club member with Australian Fitness Network. Elite Club Membership provides you with all the benefits of network membership, as well as a host of management and marketing resources from Active Management, including two one-on-one half-hour coaching sessions, marketing templates, and live Q&A sessions and roundtables. Join Network today at fitnessnetwork.com.au forward slash membership and put your club ahead of the competition.